I'm excited to be here today. First Peter, if you have your Bibles, open to First Peter chapter number one, and we're going to pick up in verse number 18. We started a a walk through uh, the Peters a uh, couple of weeks ago, and we're continuing this morning. We'll be there through First and Second Peter, and so uh, we're First Peter chapter number one, verse number 18. And uh, my sermon title this morning is Redemption. Redemption. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get around church and, and you use these terms and you hear them uh, kicked around a lot, but sometimes we don't really understand the meaning. Uh, what does it mean, redemption? Uh, you know, I heard a, 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 a church that was having a business meeting and they were talking about, uh, a man said, you know, hey, I, I want to make a motion. And he made a motion. He said, I, I move that we buy a chandelier. And, uh, and, and, and there was another fellow that stood up and he said, I want to oppose that motion. And he said, I oppose it because, number one, I can't spell it to order it. Number two, nobody can play it. And number three, we need more light in this place. And uh, sometimes we don't fully understand, again, terms that we use in churches. Redemption, a theological term, an essential element when you're talking about our salvation, has everything to do with the cost of our salvation. That's what it has. Every, it has everything to do with the cost, the purchase price of your salvation and of my salvation. That's what redemption is all about. You know, when we talk about salvation, we are grateful to God because we're saved by grace through faith. In other words, it's a gift to you and me. Uh, uh, I don't have to work for it. In fact, I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford my salvation, but it's a gift. And as is true with every gift, there's a purchase price. Uh, but it was, pri- it was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary. In other words, your redemption and my redemption, the purchase price for my salvation, of my salvation, was taken care of in full by Jesus Christ at Calvary. The, the Puritan Thomas Watson made a statement uh, talking about, about the cost to redeem us. He said, great was the work of creation, but greater the work of redemption. It costs more to redeem us than to make us. And the one, there was but the speaking of a word, and the other, the shedding of blood. And this morning, we're, having, we're talking about the subject of redemption. First Peter chapter 1, verse number 18 and following. And the Bible says this. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. And this morning, again, just talking about uh, 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 our, our redemption. Uh, you know what's happening here. So, so, so Peter is writing this letter, and he's writing this letter. We, 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 we're catching us up this morning. So he's writing this letter to, to those that have been 
been dispersed through uh, official persecution, Nero. Uh, under, under the leadership of Nero, the church of Jesus Christ was, was persecuted like never before uh, uh, has ever been persecuted. In fact, uh, they were scattered. And, and it's to those believers that were scattered, basically running and hiding for their lives. They've had loved ones that were killed in front of their faces, and, and they're running, and they're running for their lives. They're afraid. And so Peter writes a letter, and he begins the letter by giving a description, again, of how precious and how great is their salvation. They're struggling. They're, they're, they're people just like you and me. And in the midst of our trials, sometimes if we're not careful, we can feel forgotten. We can feel as though, man, where is God when I need him? I, I feel like he's abandoned me. And so Peter, in his writing, as he begins writing these people, he knows that's a struggle that's real with all of us. We're in the midst of trials. And the reason I'm in the midst of this trial is because I've been trying to follow faithfully. And here I am, I've forgotten by God. And he's saying, hey, no, you, you're not forgotten. You are incredibly special. Remember, remember how great is your salvation. In fact, your salvation wasn't an afterthought, but before time began, it was thought of by the Father in heaven. It was bought by the Son at Calvary. And it was brought to you by the Holy Spirit, the Trinity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all invested into you. You're not forgotten. And he said, hey, because you're so special, he continues writing. And he says, you're supposed to be holy. Be holy, for I am holy. What does that mean? To be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, to be Christ-like. Why? Because sometimes in the midst of trials, we can get jaded. We can, we can, we can say, you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to kind of take on the approach that the world takes. And in fact, uh, my nature, I, I still have this old nature that sometimes I struggle with. Anybody struggle with an old nature? Uh, I mean, you know, we're supposed to take off that old nature and continue to take it off. We, we get saved, and the moment we get saved, we get completely saved, and I'm grateful to God for that. But there's this process of sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, to be completely controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. And if we're not careful, we can quench the Holy Spirit of God. We can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And so he says, I want you to be holy and all that you do. And from that text, he comes into this section here just talking again <clears throat> about redemption and an explanation of, of what it costs for your redemption such that we don't feel like, man, I have every right to be like the rest of the world. You know, there's that old cartoon, when the world turns its back on you, you turn your back on the world, Hakuna Matata. But... Uh, <clears throat> That's my theology from cartoons. But, uh, uh, you, know, you know, he's just saying, hey, listen, you're special. Be holy. Why? Because there's a high price. You've been bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. And he goes on to talk about this subject of redemption. And he gives an explanation, first of all, of redemption. He gives an explanation of redemption in verse number 18 and following, he says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. And then he goes on in verse number 20. But just talking about uh, to redeem, to purchase, release. In other words, he's writing again to people who were very much acquainted with slavery. Uh, they were very much acquainted with what it meant to be a slave. And the only way that a slave could be set free is to be redeemed, to have the price that was set by the owner uh, paid. And, and, and there's only a couple of ways that you can do that. Number one, you can pay for it yourself for your redemption to be redeemed, to be set free, or someone else can pay it 
on your behalf. And that's how slaves acquired their freedom was there was a redemption price that was paid. And so so Peter is talking to these guys that fully understood what it meant to be redeemed. And he says, here's a couple of things you've got to understand about redemption. Number one, what we are redeemed from. Under explanation, he, he says, here's what we are redeemed from. First of all, the feudal way of life, the feudal way of life. And when you're talking about the feudal way of life, that's just the way of the world. What is the way of the world when it comes to redemption? The way of the world says, hey, as, as, as long as there's a God in heaven and he's a loving God, he'll never send anybody to hell. Just be a good person. And, and we set the terms of salvation if we're not careful. That's the way of the world. The world says, hey, just be a good guy. You'll be okay in the end. In fact, the world will even take it a step further and totally deny the existence of God and just say, hey, it's all about the moment. Just live for yourself. Take care of number one. Nobody else will take care of you. I mean, there's the way of the world. There's a lot of different ways that the world goes about living life. But when you're talking about the way of the world, the world lives in the moment with a temporary perspective and not an eternal perspective. And so, and so when you're talking about yourself, my hopes, it's all about my hopes and my dreams and, 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 and trying to uh, seek after fortunes for me and, and fame for me. It's about my life. When the fact of the matter is, that is a very temporary, temporal perspective. When, when Peter's saying we need to have an eternal perspective, the Bible says in a couple of different places, Proverbs 14, verse number 12, Proverbs 14, verse 12, there's a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. In other words, there's a lot of people that just say, man, I, I, I just think that here's the way you go about living life. And, and the fact of the matter is, If you're not living life for Jesus Christ, if you've never been redeemed, if you've never been saved, if you've never been born again, there's a lot of things to call it. But if you've never come to the point in your life when you realize, man, I am a sinner, I have fallen short of the glory of God, and I cannot, I cannot purchase my freedom. I cannot pay the price for my sin. But I believe that Jesus Christ did. I believe that Jesus Christ is God's one and only son. He was born of a virgin and he came into this world spotless, sinless. And he who knew no sin became sin for me. And he laid down his life on the cross because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And so I'm thankful to God for my redemption. If you've never come to that point in your life, there's a way that seems right to you. But in the end, it leads to destruction. And the Bible says this in Mark chapter number eight and verse number 36, Mark chapter number eight and in verse number 36, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And there's a lot of people that are just going after the things of this world and, 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 and at the end of the day, there's more to life than that. There's more to life than that. In fact, Solomon, if you, if you wanna read about somebody that had everything under the sun, in other words, they, they had fame. We know who Solomon is today. They had fame. They had fortune like nobody else. Everything that money could buy, he had. And at the end of the day, when he's writing and he's contemplating what life is all about, he said, everything under the sun is vanity. Everything without Jesus Christ is vanity. It's futile. It's worthless. Everything. See, we're living in a day where some people feel like, man, if I could only have... And you fill in the blank. If I could only have, then boy, I'd have it all. 
And if there's anything other than Jesus, it's futile. It's futile. There's a way that seems right to man. But at the end of the day... It's nothing. He says this. He says, you're, 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 you've been saved from uh, what you've inherited from your forefathers, from the, from the futile ways of your forefathers. And when you're talking about these things, you know, one of the things we have to ask ourselves is this question, even this morning. I, I believe this to be true. Sometimes, sometimes we're just tied to religion for religion's sake. <clears throat> In other words, ask yourself this question this morning, sincerely, sincerely. Why are you here? Why, did you, why are you even here this morning? And if we, if we answer the question honestly, maybe there's somebody here, maybe there's somebody here that would say, well, I'm here because that's just what I do on Sunday. It's, it's, it's just the religious thing to do. And, and the fact of the matter is, that is a futile way of life. If all it's about is religion, then I'm missing the point. It's about relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people tied to their religions even. There's a lot of people tied to their religions because that's what my family is. In other words, man, I'm, I'm I'm a Baptist or I'm a Methodist or I'm a Presbyterian. And that's just the way it is because that's the way I was raised. And the fact of the matter is we need to be raising our children and our grandchildren to be followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we need to raise our children doing. God, help me understand why am I even here. Search my heart so that I might even understand, <clears throat> justify. You know, you know, a lot of times, and here's where we gotta be careful because look what it says in verse number 18 again. He says, knowing that you're not redeemed, but the feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers. You know what that tells me? <clears throat> That tells me that as parents, we've got to be careful what we do and how we do what we do. Why is that? Because so much of what happens in our family's life, actions are justified because of what mom and daddy does. My actions are justified because of what my mommy and daddy do. And that goes a long way. God help me understand that. That, 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 man, my kid's going to justify what they do and what they don't do a lot of times based on whether or not I do it. So God help me. He says, number one, what we're redeemed from, the futile way of life, man, anything from sin. Sin is futile. Anything under the sun apart from Jesus Christ is futile, if that's my goal in life. How are we redeemed? In verse number 19, how are we redeemed? He says, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. That's how we're redeemed. Peter said it's not with money. It's, it's, you, you can't purchase your own salvation, It's not with silver and it's not with gold. That's not how we are redeemed. In fact, when you're talking about uh, 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 the day in which we live, man, you can buy a lot of things with money. In fact, it's disgusting what you can buy with money. I mean, you can can buy positions with money. You 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 can buy elections with money. You can buy all kinds of things with money. But you can't buy your salvation with money. It won't work. In fact, we have religious systems. We have religions that, that, that I believe <clears throat> are damning people. Hey, listen, this morning, if you believe that you can pay penance for indulgences, you're insulting the blood of Jesus Christ. 
if you believe that you can pay to make things right regarding your sin, basically you're saying the blood of Jesus Christ was not enough for me. Oh, that was good, but I can do better. It's an insult to the blood of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> he says, you can't, you can't, you can't purchase it with silver, with gold. In fact, he goes back all the way back to the Old Testament. He goes back to the Passover, and there at the Passover, <clears throat> they would take these lambs. If you remember the story of the Passover, right? Uh, they, were, they were enslaved over in Egypt, and, 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 and he says, I'm gonna set you guys free. I'm gonna take you out of this land of slavery, and the final plague was the Passover. You remember the story? And so, and so he said, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out there and I want you to find a lamb or a goat and, and you make sure it has no blemishes and take it and, and sacrifice it and take the blood and put it over the windows and the, and the doors of your house. And, the, and when the angel of death comes, they, the angel of death will pass over you, sparing the life of your firstborn son, sparing the life. Why? <clears throat> because of the blood. You know, when you think about what he's talking about, so, so, so Peter goes back to an Old Testament picture and, and he says, that's what Jesus Christ, his blood is, does the same thing for you and me. In fact, if you read through the New Testament, the Bible says in Hebrews 9, verse number 22, Hebrews 9 and verse 22, and according to the law, uh, uh, one may almost say all things are cleansed with, with blood and without shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And so Hebrews 10, verse number 12 through 14, I would encourage you to read through the book of Hebrews, but he says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 12 through 14, but he, talking about Jesus Christ, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time on until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. In other words, it was through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You know, there's some people that struggle uh, with their salvation, with the certainty, with the assurance of salvation. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, uh, but, but one of the reasons why sometimes people struggle with the assurance of their salvation and the certainty of their salvation is because, man, they blew it. They got saved and they blew it. And, and you feel like, man, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if, if, if that's been covered. Hey, remember this. <clears throat> Jesus Christ shed his blood before any of your sins were ever committed. His blood covers all of my sin. In fact, when you're talking about the children of Israel when they were in the land of Egypt at the Passover, I don't think that they cowered behind the windows thinking, man, I hope I lived a good enough life. I'm gonna cover it with the blood, but I hope I'm good enough. No, no. I mean, all we have is the blood because I'm not good enough. We have the mercy of God, we have the grace of God, and we have the blood of Jesus Christ, the price of my redemption. It has been paid in full, and I'm thankful to God 
that he paid in full. Why did God redeem us? Why did God redeem us? The Bible says in verse 20 and following, for he, foreno- he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. Talking about y'all, me, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Why did he redeem us? Because he desires relationship with you and me. When you're talking about our faith and hope, so that you might have faith and hope in God. Faith is what, is what drives us for today. Hope is what we look forward to tomorrow. It's kind of two sides of the same coin. My faith and my hope are in Jesus Christ, the one who paid the price for me. And he paid the price for you. Faith, when you're talking about faith, faith is, our, uh, is belief in action. Belief in action. In other words, what's he talking about here? <clears throat> He says, man, the risen Savior makes all the difference in the world. He'll strengthen your faith. He'll give you a hope. It's Peter writing, right? It's Peter writing. Let's go back and look at the life of Peter for just a minute. So Peter's writing. It was Peter. It was Peter who, when Jesus Christ was enduring his his trial, right? He, He was enduring, getting ready for ultimately his crucifixion. He's being beaten, he's being questioned, he's being mocked, he's being ridiculed. And Peter was there following in the distance out in the courtyard and there was a, a little lady that came up and said, you're one of his followers. Remember the story of Peter? This is Peter who's riding here now. And Peter said, no way, I, I don't know him, I don't know him. Three times, three times he said, no way, I don't know that guy. And the rooster crowed. You know the story. And Peter began to weep uncontrollably, bitterly. His faith was shaken and he lost his hope. But you know what happened to him? He met a risen Savior. (laughs) And the risen Savior renewed his faith and gave him his hope back. Remember? He said, hey, go and tell the disciples in Mark's gospel. And he said, and Peter. Why did he say that? Because Peter was one who lost his faith. He lost his hope until he met a risen Savior. And he's writing to us today saying, hey, let me tell you something. I have seen with my own eyes. You can have a faith and you can have hope. Because Jesus lives. Why did God come? Why did he redeem us? Because he loves you and desires a relationship with you. The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, you and me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son into this world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him may be saved. Why did he come to redeem us? Because had he not, we would be damned to hell. But he desires relationship with us. And my question before we even continue to move forward this morning is, have you ever called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Seriously, have you ever called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you have personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ? It's the only way to be saved. It's the only way to be saved. What do you say? All of us are guilty of sin. Anybody here would say this morning, hey, I'm I'm sinless. (laughs) I'd say, no, you're clueless. 
all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. There's only one way to be saved. Jesus said it, said it himself. I'm the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And maybe this morning you're even struggling with assurance. And, and what you have to remember is this. It's not about your work. It never has been, never will be. Your work didn't save you to begin. And your work won't keep you. But the work of Jesus Christ did and does. And this morning you can rest in him. The explanation of redemption. My redemption has been paid in full. <clears throat> he goes on from there and he says, now there's some expectations of the redeemed. When, when, when you've received, when you've been paid for, you become part of the family of God. You're part of the bride of Christ. And so there's some expectations that go with that. Verse 22, since you have... Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fall off. In other words, he's saying it's just, it's just temporary. Everything is just temporary, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. And so the expectation, first of all, he says, you've been purified since you purified yourself. Purified is, 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 is in, the, in the perfect participle. What does that mean? It's a past action with, with continual uh, results. In other words, it, it's a decision. It's something that took place in my life. But it continues to this day. It's continuing to flesh itself out. What is it? A love for the brethren. A love for the brethren. In other words, he's saying, man, if you've been born again, you've been born again because you've heard the word of God. And the word of God came and took root in your life. And when you get born again, you receive this new nature. You're a new creature. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 17. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 17. For if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. What does that mean? I've got a new nature. I still struggle because I have that old nature, but I, but I got a new nature. I've got to want to to obey. I've got to want to to love. I've got to want to to do what God calls me to do. It says you've got this new nature that came, and, and, and it's a part of who you are today. In other words, you have omnipotence dwelling, tabernacling within you. And so for the one that says, man, I, I was saved, but my life's never been changed I'm just encouraging you to examine your heart, which is what Paul says to do in the book of Corinthians. We ought to examine ourselves to see if we're of the faith. It's not by my works that I am saved, but when I am saved, my faith works. James says it like that. He said, faith without works is dead. In other words, my faith is, is belief in action. That's what it is. Even the demons believe. What, is, what does the belief do to me? Man, he changes me from the inside out. From the inside out. He says one of those changes that happen is a, is a love for the brethren. In fact, when you read through scripture, I would encourage you, go, go over to 1 John. 1 John's five little chapters. In and, 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 and all sincerity, read through 1 John. God, search my heart. Search my heart. I want to know whether I'm of the faith. 
Because in 1 John, I'll tell you what 1 John does several times. He says there are two birthmarks of a believer. In other words, a person that's been born again, truly born again. I'm not just talking about a prayer. I'm talking about a person where the Holy Spirit of God has knocked and blown and breathed his life to be born again. He says there's birthmarks. What does it look like to be saved? Well, one of them is my life is going to be marked by obedience. My life will be marked by obedience. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. In other words, I'm not keeping his commandments so that I might be saved, but because I am saved, I will keep his commandments. <clears throat> the one who says I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. So one of the birthmarks for the believer would be obedience. But another birthmark in the life of a believer is a love for the brethren. A love for the brethren. A love for the church, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, the family of God. He says, for, uh, he says, since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you've been born again. <clears throat> In other words, he's saying, hey, sincerely love one another. In other words, it's not about lip service. It's not about lip service. When you look at the church of Jesus Christ, seriously, I'm grateful to God for our church. I really am. I think we have an incredibly special group of people, and I'm grateful to God for that. But I'd be lying if I said, man, I think that we've attained the love that God's called us to. In fact, for some, I'm concerned. I'm greatly concerned. He says, don't love with lip service but love with fervent love, to strain, to strain. And there's some people, I, I, I'm just being honest, there's some people that take it or leave it. I'm a professing believer, but take the church or leave the church, no big deal to me. The people around me, no big deal. In fact, I'm not even concerned enough to even say hello to somebody. And so, one of two problems, really, one of two problems one problem would be, best case scenario, best case scenario would be, you know, I, I do have a love, but I'm really shy and I really don't know how to show love. I really don't know how to do that. Best case scenario. Worst case scenario, you've never been born again. He, he says, when you get born again, there's a, there's, a, there's a love for the brethren, a sincere love. Not lip service, but a, but a desire and, and, so, and so here's the deal. How can I love? Well, it's, it's as simple as first, first step to loving is inquiring. What do you mean inquiring? How are you today? <laughs> it's pretty easy. Hey, how are you? With a sincere heart. How are you? You know why you inquire? Because you begin to acquire information. And information leads to obligation. And a lot of times, let's just be honest. I don't want to inquire because I don't want to be obligated. 
And I don't want to be obligated because I really don't love you. To love. He says, make sure you're loving one another. Love one another along the way. Don't be indifferent towards the bride. Don't be indifferent towards the brethren, but love one another. Love God and love people. When you're talking about, again, birthmarks of the believer, here would be a good test for us. Here's a good test for us, if you'd be so bold. Ask the people who are around you, do you see love in me? Do you see a love in me? Do I love? Love for God and love for the brethren. To be redeemed means my sins have been taken care of. I'm free to love unhindered, uninhibited the Lord Jesus Christ and others. Why? Because he's enabling me and empowering me to do what he's called me to do. Now, along the way, what happens to us? We struggle with our nature. What does that look like? What happens is our nature gets in the way. Our, our old flesh, our old flesh, our old nature gets in the way. And if we're not careful, we can grieve the Spirit. We can quench the Spirit, what He wants to do. He's wanting us to love one another. But for whatever reason, sometimes my flesh gets in the way. You ever been there? You know what I've learned? If I'll get on my knees before the Father and say, God, I want to love like you want me to love. He'll enable you to do what he calls you to do. <clears throat> so God help us to be a people that love God and love people because we have been redeemed and I'm grateful to God to be redeemed. Hey, this morning, I just wanna ask a question in closing. A couple things. Number one would be, in all sincerity, have you ever been born again? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Are you a follower? Have you ever called on his name? Have you ever been a time in your life when you said, man, all I know is I need Jesus Christ to save me. And I want him to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to repent of my sin. What does that mean? I don't want to live for these futile things in this world anymore. I want to live for Jesus Christ. I want to live for him. I want him to be my Lord. I want him to be my Savior. Ever had a time in your life when you've been saved? If not, I'm encouraging you this morning. Call on his name. We want to talk with you. We would love to have the privilege to be able to pray with you today and just encourage you along the way. Maybe you hear this morning, you say, man, I, I'm a believer, but I just uh, haven't been loving like I ought to be loving. I would encourage you just before God, God, forgive me and help me to love like you want me to love. Show me how, show me how. And he will. So God help us. Would you do me a favor and join me for a time of prayer? We're gonna pray. After we pray, we're gonna have a closing song. And after the song is sung, <clears throat> this morning, if you say, man, I, I need to talk with you. I need to pray with you. Uh, you come. You come this morning. Father, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you so much for the price that you paid for us. God, thank you for the cross. God, we could never have paid it on our own. So thank you 
for the cross. Thank you for the blood that you shed. And God, we're so excited that we have a hope because we have a risen Savior. Lord Jesus, you're sitting by the right hand of the Father. All glory has been given to you. One of these days, we'll see you face to face. And what a day that's going to be. But God, this morning, I'm just asking if you'd search our hearts, examine us, God, all of us in this place. Father, if there be any today that have never called on your name, never been saved, God, that your Holy Spirit, we know that nobody comes to you unless you draw them. So God, I pray that you knock on the door of hearts today. Father, that there would be those that would call on your name to be saved. Father, I pray that as a people, Lord Jesus, we would love others like you love us. Help me to love. God, help me to lay aside my pride. Help me die to my flesh. And show me how to love like you love. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. Pray that we honor you as we make decisions this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.